One of the things I want to share, everything that has to do with Christ has to do with miracles. Christ always has been and he always be the worker of miracles. He's the miraculous. And what you're going to get in your life the first of this year is we are going to get a miracle in the area of our attitudes. You may say, if my attitude is going to change, it's going to take a miracle. Well, guess what? Expect a miracle. Get ready for a miracle. Well, how am I going to see my kids? How are they going to change? They need an attitude. My, my, my mate, my, my family, they all need an attitude change. Look, this year we're going into, there's going to be a lot of things that will try to prick, mess with our mind, mess with our emotions. There's a lot of things going on in our nation that we thought we would never hear, never see. There will be a lot of things the enemy will try to use to try to, try to get us out of a Christ-like attitude and be just like anybody else. But we're not just like anybody else. And the weak areas of our life the enemy wants us to focus on, he's given us strength and power to cause us to become strong. And so just like we believe God for a miracle in the area of maybe cancer or our kidneys being healed or our heart disease or whatever it may be, we also can have the faith to believe God that God is doing a miracle in my attitude. And that I'm expecting that something is happening in my life because I want to show you the importance of the attitude to have this seal from God, our love dare number 25, to be approved by Him. How many desire to be approved by God? It's not the approval of man, it's the approval of God. And I want you to see the scripture here as we bring it in. It says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's looking here in Pineville. Hey, everybody in Grant, he's looking in Grant too. Wherever you live, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro. Deville, Allah. Guess what? God can see you in Allah. Wow. He's got good eyes. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself what? Strong on behalf of those, look at this, whose heart is perfect toward him who has the right attitude. But look at this. Herein thou hast done foolishly. There's areas I've been foolish in my attitude, my thoughts, my words. By my words, I'm justified or condemned. You've done foolishly, therefore from hence thou shalt have wars. You wonder, why am I going through this? Where did this come from? I didn't expect this. What's happening in my life? Why am I going through all these battles? Why do I, I, it seems like I keep going through all these same type of battles. Why am I always, why is life a fight? And we examine ourselves, and of course, sin has a big deal to do with it. How many of you know that? But what we don't look at many times is our attitude. And it's something that God has spoke to me that we're going to have to put the breastplate of righteousness over our heart because just like the eyes of the Lord go to and fro to show himself strong on behalf whose heart, attitude, mindset, words are pleasing to him, the devil goes to and fro the whole earth as a roaring lion to look for an open door to get in, to steal, to kill, and destroy. I've been redeemed from anything to do with him to live a life pleasing and wholly represented by God. I love the song they sang last week. All the songs today was awesome. But uh, somebody stuck one of the songs they, they, they sung last week. And it was, how merciful the cross and how powerful the blood. No greater love, no other name, mighty save but Jesus. And in your rising, we will rise to carry your name above every name. And in this name of Jesus, and staying, I believe this year, I'm going I'm to just stir you up this week, and as we get into this, the Lord is desiring His church to return to their first love about being cross-centered and being Christ-centered. I shared with you about watching Oprah, and because 
Pastor Rick Warren was on there, and that little fella with no arms and no legs was on there, and it was great, but I was watching it, and Brother Rick Warren's a great man of God, but him and Oprah said God a bunch of times, but wouldn't say Jesus. And they were talking about God, 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 and I was waiting. How about his son's name? But it was just God. And so out of the crowd, here's this little fellow with no arms and no legs, and Oprah invites him, and he comes running up, and he jumps up five, st- fleets, uh, five steps. Las escaleras, estaba ahí, estaba subiendo las escaleras para los hermanos que hablan español. Anyway, he was climbing the escaleras, he was climbing the stairs, and she said, how were you able... To encourage yourself to continue living because at 10 years old, he tried committing suicide and drowning himself because everybody teased him at school and he felt like, I'll never be able to touch a girl. I'll, I'll never be able to love nobody. I'll want me. I'll never have a job. I'm, I'm a burden to my parents. So he tried drowning himself, but his parents were able to save him. And, he said, and, and she says, what saved you? He says, accepting the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, into my heart and Savior. The preacher with the number two selling book in the world never mentioned the name of Jesus. Joel Osteen before never mentioned the name of Jesus. Oprah wouldn't say the name of Jesus. But here's a little fella, no arms and no legs, and he's counting, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And so we have to become Christ-centered. And the enemy wants to not take our guns from us. He wants to take the name of Jesus. And that is something we will never give up. And I'm not talking old school, old time religion. I'm talking about the gospel is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That is the gospel. And that will never change. He is the gospel. He is the Old and New Testament all together as a living revelation of the glory of God manifested and given to us. He is every type and symbol of the Old Testament manifested in flesh so that we can see and know the glory of God. But it talks about the heart that is perfect towards him. And then this scripture here, my mom and dad used to tell me this as a child. Look at this. Ecclesiastes 10.8. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. How many have ever heard? You dig a hole, you're going to fall in it. Well, guess what? They weren't just saying that. It's written. It's in the Bible. Ecclesiastes. You dig a hole, you'll fall in it. And whosoever breaketh a hedge, a serpent shall bite him. And whoso removes the stones shall be hurt. Now, the stones speak of boundaries. And, you know, years ago we were taught, you know, don't have any frogs in your house. And, boy, I mean, we were strong on against frogs. Don't you have any owls in your house? Don't you do this and don't you do that? But yet nobody ever preached about attitudes. You got the attitude of a frog. You got the attitude of a devil. And it talks there about... And I read this, and I thought the Holy Spirit said, you know, your attitude can dig your own pit. You know, if Joseph would have just not told his dreams to his brothers, they might not have sold him and threw him in the pit. But he blabbed it all out. A lot of times we do things and we dig in our own hole. And we got to understand that it says if you break the hedge, the serpent Satan will bite. Sometimes it's not some big gross tech sin that's opening a hole in the hedge. Sometimes I'm being snake bit. Just because I've got a wrong attitude. 
And I'm checking out, Lord, show me if there's anything wrong with me. Am I drinking? Am I smoking? Am I running around? Am I watching? What am I doing wrong? And the Holy Spirit, your attitude stinks. No, that's not God. Show me, show me a real sin. Show me a real sin. And it says, you know, you break the hedge. And then it says, whoso removes the stones or the boundaries shall be hurt. And we showed last week that Caleb and Joshua, they were the only ones with a good attitude and God let them go into the promised land. All the other hundreds of thousands failed because they had a bad attitude. They didn't have the hedge, they didn't have the protection. They didn't watch their emotions, their attitude, and their feeling. But look what the word says us to do, stay Christ-centered. I love this, Philippians 2.5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. If I want to stay secure and if I want to stay safe, if I want to stay happy, if I want to stay blessed, I have to have the same attitude of Christ to be a man approved by God with the Holy Spirit manifesting on my life as it says it did on His. Let this attitude that was Christ be in you. And now we're going to be studying the life of Christ. And when you think about the life of Christ, you may be at a place right now, I cannot forgive like He forgave. I cannot love everybody like he loves. I can't look the other way like he looked the other way. I mean, how many of us, if Judas would have kissed us, betrayal, how would we have responded? Would you have called him a friend? Don't tell me what you would have called him. I don't want to know. I mean, the attitude that Jesus had, even giving everything up, the attitude of Christ. And it may take a miracle, but it will be your miracle that we're going to grow into this attitude this year and experience the best of God. Now, there's something I want to show you and I want to share with you. And I know everybody knows the story about Balaam. Everybody know that Balaam had a donkey, don talking donkey. How many know that? He had a talking donkey. And that, you know, as Balaam was wanting to go, not Balaam, yeah, Balaam. Balaam or, is it Balaam or Balak? Yeah, it's Balaam. Balak is the king. King Balak invited Balaam, the prophet, to go and curse Israel. And so they said, I'm going to give you some money. So Balaam got on his little donkey, and he was going down the road, you know, and just hippity hop, la riva, caramba. And he was all happy and all that on his little donkey, you know, a chihuahua. We're going to Chihuahua, Mexico. And so he just on his little donkey there, you know, going. And all of a sudden, the donkey just stops, and he starts beating his donkey, and the donkey starts talking. The donkey is like on Trek. What you beating me for? You ogre. What you beating me for? And, and Balaam keeps beating the donkey and the donkey keeps talking and finally the donkey says look i'm saving your neck there's an angel right there the next step there's an angel with a sword he's gonna cut your head off and i'm staying right here and you're beating me for saving your neck i don't just walk and let him cut your head off the donkey had a better attitude than a lot of christians the donkey just laid there and let him beat him instead of let them get cut to pieces. Oh, somebody got that. And so he goes on. And look at this. Numbers twenty-two forty-one. The next morning, Balak took Balaam up to. The devil will always take you to a higher point to see things from a different point of view. Get a clearer picture, picture and vision of what he wants you to see. And he took Balaam up to, and I'm not even going to try to say it. And from there he could see some, see some of the people of Israel spread out below him. And he goes on to say in verse 7, This is what the message Balaam delivered. Balak summoned me to come to Aram 
the king of Moab brought me to the eastern hills. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Come and announce Israel's doom. Now, this king Balak, he knew he could not destroy Israel. So he wanted to bring in a prophet to curse him. I can't do anything with you. You, are, you have a covenant with Jehovah. And I'm no better than getting in a fight with Jehovah. So I'm going to let you, somebody curse you so you could end up cursing yourself. Take the hedge down. And verse 8 says, listen to what he says. But how, I love the buts of God, but how can I curse those whom God has blessed? Can I hear an amen? How can I curse those uh, whom God has cursed? That's not cursed. Is it up there? Yeah, in verse 9. And how, I, how can I condemn, say it with me, how can I condemn? How can I condemn those whom the Lord has not condemned? I see... Th- it goes on. I see them from the clifftops. I watch them from the hills. I see a people who live by themselves set apart from other nations. Who can count Jacob's descendants as numerous as the dust? Who can count even a fourth of Israel's people? Let me die like the righteous and let my life end like theirs. And the king Balak demanded of Balaam, what have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemies and instead you have blessed them. And Balaam replied, I will speak only the message that the Lord puts in my mouth. Now, I've brought you here. Look at them. Look at them gold, them golden calf makers. Look at, those, look at those people. They gave their gold to make the golden calf. Look how bad those people. I want you to look. Those are the bad ones right there. Those are the ones right there. They've got that sexy anklet that goes off if they get too far from the courthouse. I mean, look at those people. I mean, they don't need to be long in church. They ought to be in jail. We don't need those type of people in church. They got anklets. Hey, I think those anklets are sexy. How about you? I mean, I mean, who cares if you've got an anklet? The other day I was picking up trash in the parking lot. And I was picking up some food that some cars had ran over. And coming back to the church in front of the fountain, it's full of cigarette butts. I mean cigarette butts you could go see all over the place. Well, that's what somebody said. That was terrible, terrible. You know what I said? I said, I want you to get a bucket and put some sand in it. And I want you to make a place for them to throw their butts in the sand. And then it's getting summertime. We need to make a smoking area under that tree over there. And we need them to go smoking over there in that tree so they can smoke in the shade. Because the truth of the matter is, I see people with Marlboro in their pocket all the time. And it's not my job to condemn. Can I hear an amen in the house? It's not our job to get an attitude like, look at them old smoking Christians. They call themselves Christians, but how can they be a Christian when they smoke that stuff? You know you got some trash in you too. We all had some trash in us. Come on. It's like sometimes you meet some of these ladies, man, they've got rings on every finger and they're all Miss Fifi. And, and it's like, got their hair just right and the, all that. And you invite them to a crawfish boil. And they get out of the Escalade and they got their rings and they're all nice. But boy, when it's time for crawfish. I, I, I mean, the Fifi just goes out the door all right there. I had a little fella come up to me Wednesday night. and He said, Pastor, don't get offended. If I leave church in the middle of the message, it's because I can't go too long without smoke. I said, brother, I'll make a deal with you. Church is getting ready to start. Go get, go smoke one real good right now. <laughs> Wednesday night, I told him this. I said, because he already told me, so I already know it. I could smell it. I said, go smoke a good one right now. Then come back in and maybe you can make it the whole service. 
He backed up. He says, you mean that? I said, yeah, go. Go smoke. They come back here to get the message. He goes, hey, listen. You ain't hiding, hiding nothing from God that God ain't already seen. Hey, amen. I hug people, and I want to encourage you. I hug people sometimes. You can smell the alcohol on them. I mean, sometimes I get drunk just hugging them. I mean, it is, it is strong. I go, hey, oh, come back here. <laughs> Jack Daniels. You know? <laughs> hey, you just stay by me. <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes it, it smells so strong. And guess what? I hug them tighter. Not because they smell good. But because somebody's got to show the love of God to everybody else that people are condemning. He says, I want you to curse them. He says, I can't curse who's God's blessed. Yeah, but look, they're smoking. That don't mean they're going to hell. They're just getting there quicker. <laughs> it's not my job to condemn. It's my job to have the attitude of Christ. It's my attitude of love. A part of the body is connected to the whole body. And how can you curse a part of the body that's connected to the body? We're all members of one another. We can't go around down talking, having an attitude, talking bad. Attitudes stink. We were all sinners when Christ came to us. And we all have areas to grow and areas to change in. And that's what Balak was saying. I can't curse who God has blessed. And so he, was show, he showed Balak a little part of the view. He says, okay, you want cursing from here? Come follow me. He says, I'm going to take you to look at another place. He says that King Balak told him, come with me to another place. There you will see another part of Israel. You will see another part of your mate. You will see another part of your mom and your dad. You will see another part of your children. You will see another part of those Christians. But not all of them, and at least curse that many. Here, let me give you another view of them. How many of you know that in a marriage, you start focusing at that point of view that's not quite perfect? You're perfect, babe, but sometimes there's, you know, there's people that, you know, it's not quite perfect. And then you get the magnifying glass out, and you keep focusing on that imperfection. Then the magnifying, you throw that away, and then you get the uh, scientific, huh? Microscope, yeah, that's it. You get the microscope, and you start putting them under the microscope, and you start, oh, yeah. I should have seen that coming. <laughs> They'll never change. See, Jesus, see why I told you I, I need to leave her? She'll never change. See, Jesus, he'll never change. See, Jesus, there's no hope for my kids. And we put them and we start focusing on that part. And we start, and, and as long as you keep focusing on the negative, you're going to have an attitude that's not Christ-like. Towards your mate, towards your children, towards the church. It's about having the attitude of Christ. Let the attitude that was in Christ. And even though those disciples were a mess, Christ fed them. You used to tell your kid, you ain't worth nothing, stupid. I'm not feeding you anymore. Jesus never said that. He fed them even though they were stupid. He loved them. He slept around. I mean, he was always with them. 
Because he didn't focus on who they were. He was focusing on who was going, they were going to become to change the entire world with a message of Jesus Christ. Man. He says, come. And, and look at the part where they're not changing and growing. And curse them. Look what happens. Ba- Balak starts prophesying. Balaam starts prophesying. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. He has ever spoken, has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Listen, I received a command to bless. God has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. When I talk about people, criticize people, have a bad attitude, am I trying to reverse what is not reversible because God says, that's my child. You're talking about my baby. But God, I don't want to hear what you think about my child. It's my child. I'll deal with my child. You deal with you. Isn't that what we learned on the playground? Huh? Isn't that what we're supposed to learn in church? I don't want to hear what you have to say about my baby. That's my baby. I know where they need to grow. You're not their Holy Spirit. I'm going to do the work in them. And he says, come and curse me. He says, I cannot reverse God's curse. Look what it says there. No misfortune is in plan for Jacob. No trouble is in store for Israel. For the Lord their God is with them, and he has been proclaimed their king. Verse 22. God brought them out of Egypt like a strong wild ox. Look at verse 23. No curse can touch Jacob. No magic has any power against Israel. For now it will be said of Jacob what wonders God has done for Israel. These people rise up like lioness, like a majestic lion, rousing itself. They refuse to rest until they have feasted on prey. And he keeps talking and talking. And then verse 25, then Balak said to Balaam, fine. There, there goes the hissy fit. Fine. But if you won't curse them, at least don't bless them. That's where the devil wants to do in a Christian's life. Maybe you got born again. Maybe you're saved. But I'm going to torment you so you don't live the blessed life. I'm going to attack your life so much that people are going to say, why do I want to be a Christian if that's the way a Christian lives? I don't want to live like them. If that's being a Christian, no thank you. And so the devil says, okay, I can't curse you because you belong to the God, but I want to make sure you don't live the blessed life. How many know the devil's like that? But Balaam replied to Balak, didn't I tell you? That I can only do what the Lord tells me to do. And so there's Balak. It didn't work at this point of view. It didn't work at this point of view. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring you to a place where you can see them all. All them little devil people. All them golden calf worshipers. All them people that are so fleshly and no good. I'm going to bring you to a point. And it goes on to say here. that in, uh, It goes on to say in Numbers 24. 1. By now, Balaam realized the Lord was determined to bless Israel. So he did not resort to divination as before. Instead, he turned and he looked toward the wilderness. Nothing there, but he looked toward it. And when he saw the people of Israel camped, and remember this, tribe by tribe, the Spirit of God came upon him. The Spirit of God came upon him. The anointing moved on his life. And this is the message he delivered. This is the message of Balaam, son of Beor. The message of the man whose eyes clearly see. Look at verse 4. The message of the one who hears the words of God, who sees a vision from the Almighty. All of a sudden, he's getting a word of God and a vision of God. What is it? Who bows down with eyes wide open. 
How beautiful are your tents, O Jacob. How lovely are your homes, O Israel. They spread before me like palm groves, like gardens by the riverside. They're like the tall trees planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the water. And then it goes on. Waters will flow from their buckets. Their offspring, how many can I hear an amen? Their offspring will have all they need. Come on, praise them. Their offspring will have all they need. Their king, Jesus will be greater than Agag, and their, ma- their kingdom will be exalted. God brought them out of Egypt, and he starts talking about all that God did for them and with them. And he blesses, he says, and I'll bless those who bless you, and cursed is everyone who curses you. That's not just about Israel. That's about every son and daughter of the Most High God. Because I want to show you something. I want to show you that according to Numbers chapter 2 and chapter 3, God told Moses specifically, if you want provision, if you want safety, if you want blessing, this is how you have to build your camps. And I want you to see a picture of it. Here's Israel. And that's what Balaam saw. The cross. When God spoke to Moses in Numbers chapter 2, four tribes were to go westward. Two tribes were to go south and north, and four tribes were supposed to go east. And Levi, the ark, the heart, Christ, is supposed to be in the center. When Balaam stood in the high place to see the entire camp, it was surrounded by mountains and wilderness. But Balaam saw the cross. And as long as we stay centered in the cross, the trouble, the misfortune, and the curse cannot touch us. As long as you're in the cross, you're going to be safe. As long as you are in Christ Jesus and you have the attitude of Christ, you're going to be saved. As long as we are working on making our lives centered on Jesus, that he's the center of everything. That we seek him for his will. We do his will. We do our best to be obedient to him in every way. We, tr- we grow to have his attitude. As long as we are picturing us in the cross and everybody in here, every one of us are connected in the cross. How can I curse What God has blessed. Can I hear an amen in the house today? It's the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus is in the center. And as long as he's in the center, then then I'll have the attitude of Christ and I'll do what pleases him. So number one, listen to this. All your notes are in there, but listen to this. Number one, when I see the cross, it cancels all my sins, past, present, and future. How many can praise the Lord for that? When I see the cross, all my sins, listen, some people are saying, you know what, Pastor? I'm just trying to be good enough for God to accept me. Look, you don't need to be good enough. You just need to have your sins canceled. You just need to get in Christ and accept Him and surrender your life to Him. That way you could say, as we read in Numbers 23, verse 8, but now, how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? And how can I condemn those whom the Lord has not condemned? Why? I see the cross. Somebody shout out, I see the cross. I see the cross. 
I'm not going to focus in on what's wrong with my child. I'm not going to focus in on what's wrong with my mate. I'm not going to focus in. I'm not going to, that's not going to be my focus of the imperfections of my brothers or my sisters. I'm not going to focus in on that person that maybe has a smell, that person that does this or that person that does this. I'm going to focus on the cross. I'm going to bless those whom God has blessed. And if you bless those, even when you bless your enemies, God says he's going to pour out a blessing upon you. Can I hear an amen? And then Balak also prophesy Balaam in Numbers 23 21 no misfortune come on receive that right now no misfortune I don't receive that in Jesus name no misfortune there's no hole in the hedge no misfortune is in his plan for me no trouble is in store for me for the Lord is my God and Jesus is my king can I hear an amen because it says look at this Galatians chapter 3 13 and 14 it says but Christ somebody shout out Christ Shout out unashamed, Jesus Christ. Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he has hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse of our wrongdoing. Amen. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus... God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised Abraham. How many know you are blessed? So that we who are believers might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. Hallelujah. The sin cancels our curses, our mistakes, our failures, and our sins. Glory be to God. The second thing that Balak did was to take Balaam to different points of view to try to get him. Stop looking at that person through mercy. Look at him through judgmental eyes. Look at that person in disgust. Look at that person in judgment. Condemnation. That person will never change. He'll take you to a view for you to even look at yourself and condemn yourself. Some looked in the mirror last night, this morning. How can I go to church when I'm the person that I am? And you live your life condemning yourself and saying, I'll never grow, I'll never change. I, I, I hear all this and I want to be like that, but yet I, I can't because uh, the mercy and forgiveness of God cannot reach me. And, and, and I, I'm just focusing on part of my life, on part of my loved one's life. At work, you keep focusing and the devil helps you keep focusing on your boss or some of the other's lives. And you focus on them and you hear that they go to church and that and you go, well, they can't be no Christian. And God is saying, don't curse my children. Not everyone's going to live like Christ, but don't you respond. None Christ-like stay in the cross. Amen. Look at Isaiah 43, verse 18. Brother Ray and I was talking about this scripture. Do not, say with me, do not. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. It's gone. It's under the blood. Verse 19. Behold, I will do a new thing, and it shall spring forth, and shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness. Here he's going back to the wilderness. As long as you have the cross, you're not going to perish in the wilderness. As long as you stay in the cross, you're not going to see destruction. If you stay in the cross, I'll bring rivers to the desert. Philippians 3, 13 says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I haven't arrived. But I focus on this one thing. Look at this. Forgetting the past... And looking forward to what lies ahead. How many of you know you keep your eyes on Jesus? You keep your eyes on the cross. Verse 14. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. 
just to continue looking at the cross. Continue believing God. Continue trusting God. Continue running this race. Continue believing God. Look at Romans 7, verse 23. But there is another power. Paul starts talking about his flesh that hasn't arrived yet. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. And then he goes on to say that power. Listen, I want to share with you. Your thoughts, your attitude, your feelings. I mean, that's not to say, that's not to be looked at. Sin has power. Attitudes that we have allowed have power. Some things are not conquered in a day, a week, a month, a year. Some things are a hard fight. Sometimes they're just seeking God. And Paul's talking here. There is a power within me that wars with my mind. I want to do what's right, but I can't. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Look at verse 24. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? But then Paul goes on in verse 25. But thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Can I hear an amen? How am I going to conquer this attitude? Is Jesus. How am I going to grow to be approved by God? Is Jesus. There is a power that's working on the inside of me to bring me down. But there is a power of God also. So thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. And that's the end of the chapter. But it's not the end of what Paul's saying. Chapter 8, verse 1. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. My guilt, my condemnation, my past is resolved. Look what it says now. Look, the cross. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under the continuous, low-lying black cloud. Look at this, a new power. Somebody shout out a new power. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, not like some simple wind, like a strong wind has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Aren't you glad you're free? Now look what Jesus did, verse 3. God went for the juggler when he sent his own son. He didn't, look, look at this, I love this, I love this. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally took care of the human condition, entered this disordered mess, all the disordered mess and trash that we were and we are. He entered that disordered trash of mess and struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code weakened as it also was fractured. The human nature could never have done that. Look at this. The law code, the law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. I love that. The deep healing of it. As long as I make excuses... As long as I say, well, that's all right. God loves me anyway. I've got a fish on the back of my car, so I'm okay. i got a bumper sticker that says, honk if you love Jesus, so I'm okay. My daddy had the bumper sticker, honk if you love Jesus. And you know what he would do? Turn around and shake his fist at the people honking behind him when we were in Lafayette. <laughs> a lot of good that did. Honk if you love Jesus. Hey, I love Jesus. What you honking at me for?
have the fish on the back of the car. You can, you can say, I go to church. I'm a member of such and such church. I give to missions. I go on missions trips. Oh, we do things to try to put a band-aid on it when God wants to do a deep healing in it. Get to, why do you keep going there? What is wrong? He wants to minister in that area. A deep healing in it, and it goes on. And now what the law code asked for but couldn't deliver us is accomplished as we. Look at this. Instead of redoubling our own efforts. Well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. No, 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 no. It goes, look at this. Simply. Say this with me. Simply. Simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. Well, maybe if I start going to the Salvation Army seven days a week. Maybe if I start helping the poor. Maybe if I start going to the need. Maybe if I start going under the bridges and helping the homeless. Hey, those are good works. But that's not, that's not going to heal your deep wound. It's by simply saying, Father, I'm yours. I receive the complete work you did on Calvary. When Jesus said it was finished, all that power that was against me was defeated in him. And I praise you for the power of the blood. And you just simply embrace what the Spirit is doing. You stay in the cross, and the cross brings you into being a brand new man. Now, I want to show something here. Look at this. You're saying, you know what? I'm just not good enough. I'll never get there. No, you, listen, I want to tell you something. Wherever you are right now, do not get out of the body of Christ. Do not get out of church. You don't have to get good enough. You don't have to uh, pretend, be who you are, but ask the Holy Spirit to help you and change you. Because I want to show you something here. Look what it says here. In Numbers 11 verse 1. Soon the people began to complain about their hardship. There was the attitude coming out. And the Lord heard everything they said. And then the Lord's anger blazed against them. And he sent a fire to rage among them. And he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts. Don't get out of Christ and the cross. We can't get into philosophy and psychology and get out of Christ the written word. We can't try to get our life settled on issues made by man and what Oprah and others try to say. Only the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is able to set you free. And as long as, long as we keep Jesus Christ-centered, the ark... The middle of the camp. As long as we stay in the camp, the serpent can't bite. As long as we stay in the cross and we live the way Christ wants us to, there's no holes to be dug to fall into. When we stay in the, Christ, when we stay in the cross and we stay in Christ, there is no curse, no misfortune, no trouble that can reach us. Don't get out of the cross. Well, I've got a reason to keep smoking. I've got a reason to keep living. No, you're loved and you're accepted even while you're going through it. But don't ever quit church. Don't ever quit believing the word. Don't get on the outskirts of the camp. Because listen, if you get, on the outs, if you get out of the cross, you'll meet the wrong people. You'll be at the wrong place at the wrong time receiving the wrong things. I want to encourage you, and some of you may not like this. But if you want to go 
to New Orleans and do Mardi Gras on Bourbon Street. If you want to play Sodom and Gomorrah on Bourbon Street, you're going to be outside the camp. What does light have to do with darkness? Now, I'm, 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 I'm meddling here. How can you dance Sodom and Gomorrah and then dance for Christ on Sunday? I know a lot of people, I know you want to have a lot of fun and all that, but listen, you know what New Orleans represents. And I love New Orleans. I pray for New Orleans. But you know what's on the streets. And if you can go there without a guilty conscience, you're already outside the camp and you're in a place of trouble. If you can play the play of the world, if you can go and raise your shirt for some beads, if you can do the things the world's way and you don't feel bad about it, you're outside the camp. If you can go and just have a good time and not feel condemned and guilty, you're not in Christ. And you need to get back into Christ today. The world's way is not God's way. Now, we have a refuge and we have a place. But that place is also a place of uncompromising serving Jesus. Just because the world, some actress, some actor, somebody does it. I'm not centering on Hollywood. I'm centering on Christ in the cross and his life crucified. So Balak took Balaam to look at a third view, like he did Satan, and just look at the background, look at everything so ugly, look at the distorted view of your life, look how you'll never get out of where you are, and yet ba Balaam continued to prophesy, no misfortune, no trouble, no curse, nothing but blessings. I want to encourage you. There are different things happening to, to encourage you to walk with Christ right now. Caleb, for example, is doing a 30-day commitment. Maybe you heard it. They say, can you commit to 30 days of just listening to Christian music on K-Love? It will change your life, and they guarantee it, and it will. Doing things in your life to live for Christ, listen to the Word, do your devotion, studying the Word of God, it will change you, and it will bring you to the place where you are, but it will help you stop seeing a distorted view of yourself and others and start seeing yourself through the eyes of Christ. It says that Balaam saw the sections of the camp, but when he went to the place to see the entire cross, his eyes were open. The Spirit of God came upon him and he saw the entire work of Christ done on the cross foreshadowing what Jesus was going to do. When I look at you, I decide and make a choice to see the finished work of Christ in your life. When you look at me, you need to see the finished work of Christ in my life. When we look at other people, we desire to see the finished work of Christ in their life because I don't want to live a life cursing what God has blessed. In our younger years, my wife and I wondered at times, why are we going through a hard time? And a lot of times, she and I would get together and pray. And God, would, the Holy Spirit would convict us all, both. You've talked in your bedroom about a man or a woman of God. And I've heard you in your bedroom. I've heard you in your tent. And I'm not pleased. I'm just sharing something that we had to grow through. Because we would think that we were just sharing. Well, you know what? I can't believe. And we would share. And all the time the Holy Ghost is saying, what concern is that for you? I've called you to bless, not to condemn. 
And so we would repent. Lord, forgive us for talking about that brother. Forgive us for talking about that sister. Forgive us for judging. Forgive us for that. And we would have to repent. We didn't tell everybody else. We just said her and I. We just spoke in our bedroom. And God says, there's a hole in the hedge. You've removed the rock. The safety's gone. And we'd have to repent and have them just roll the rock back. Be careful with our attitudes. To be like Christ in every area so he could say, God is not a man that he should lie. Or he's not a man to change his mind. What he speaks, he's going to do. But I have to stay in the cross to receive his blessings. Even when it looks like the wilderness. In Joel, he'll prophesy. And even the wilderness will become a fruitful field and bear trees. I have to understand that I know my responsibility is to bless and not to curse. And I want you to stand. And I'm just sharing you with, with some wisdom of years we've lived and out of our lives in ministry and out of the word. That Jesus said for every idle word, we will be held accountable for it. And a lot of the trouble and a lot of the misfortune is accountability for saying the wrong thing and having the wrong attitude. I want to I bless you today. This wasn't a message to condemn you and beat you. This is a message of maturity for us to grow. It's wisdom, knowledge, and understanding coming out of the Word of God. To understand that our place is in the cross. But at the same time, to understand my responsibility, if there be any wicked way in my attitude, if my words, the, order, the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth has not been acceptable or approved by you, Reveal them to me and I repent and renew a right spirit within me. Father, I pray for the church in 2013 to have a vision and a goal to become more Christ-like than we've ever had before. What is the vision of the house? To be like Jesus. What is the vision of God for your church? To be like Christ. You are the center and you're everything. Help us, Holy Spirit, to return to our first love. I, I want to encourage you right now, every head about, every eye closed. Nobody looking around, please. If there's somebody here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm afraid that I'm living outside of the camp. I've quit church. I haven't been attending church. God bless that hand already up. Uh, but I, I want to get back in body. God bless you. I see that hand. Yes. That hand. Yes, I see you. Just raise your hand saying, I want back in the body. God bless you back there. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see, bless you. God bless you. Hands going up everywhere. God bless you. God bless you. I need to get back to the cross. Maybe some of us older Christians. I need to get back to the crucified life. I, I need to reawaken my desire to be like Christ. It's not to be like someone else. It's to be like Christ. so many hands God bless you God bless you for those of you who've raised your hand this is your very first time and you've been lost and you've never accepted Christ before I want to invite you to come and stand in front facing me those who've never accepted Christ before come and face me and then also give a second invitation for those you want to renew your life and rededicate your life to Christ you know you haven't been living like you should you want to get back under the protection back under the hedge come and face me please you too I know some of you raised your hands for rededication today. 
But there are others you want to come and make a strong commitment to God. God bless you. God bless you. Just come and stand in front of Benny. God bless you. Just come. Thank you, young man. Christians continue.